Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. So, Brian, Brian Hamlin, if I came to you with a Hollywood script about an NBA team and I said, look, the best team in the conference is going to win by 46 on a Tuesday, lose by 26 on a Wednesday, and lose by 42 on a Friday, would you tell me to go pound sand? I mean, would you Uh, accept that script? No, just spitballing here, but we can't work with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not believable. Uh, Not believable. 138 points given up Wednesday. And if you wanted to go bet that same total yesterday, bingo, you're a winner. Go to the window. Um, Insane. After they said said they were embarrassed and they were going to learn from the Wednesday national TV blog to the Nets, you come back and I was just telling PB that, I bought into all the nice talk that, you know, that wouldn't happen again. And, and by the way, Draymond Green and, and Clay Thompson, not on the Warriors. And so I, I bet the Bulls are going to play some defense and hold Golden State down uh, below uh, 112 and a half points. And- <laughs> <laughs> the team, you, you mentioned uh, the team learning from the game before. It was the Golden State Warriors that learned. Yeah. Apparently, the they watched the, the film and said, we can do that better. In fact, that's exactly what they did. That, that's Brian Hanley. I'm Jesse Rogers. We are here for the next couple hours. We're going to start with the Bulls. I tweeted this out. Bulls mess. Then we'll go to the Bears mess. And then maybe to the MLB <laughs> mess. And maybe we'll Wait. slide in something positive in John Lester's retirement and Hall of Fame candidacy. Because everything else is a mess, Brian. Well, and here's how things are going. I even put out the wrong phone number on Twitter. So... <laughs> That, that's so all. You're a mess. We'll talk about a your mess. mess. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Not three seven six six. Although I don't. If, if someone's getting phone calls there, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> so look, I might be a mess too. I might be the bad luck charm here because the last time I went to a Bulls Warriors game, the final was one forty nine one twenty four, and Clay Thompson shot like seventy two three pointers. Actually, he was fourteen for twenty four, set a record at that point. Sylvie and I were there for a 52-point night. That was in 2018. Well, Sylvie uh, was not happy on Twitter uh, during the game last night. And why no. would you be with the 41-point second quarter, one one for seven from three-point range for the beloved Bulls and um, allowing 61% shooting just in that quarter? Uh, yeah. Help. And so I went again last night. And obviously, I wasn't very good luck uh, there either. Um, so maybe I'll stay away from the Bulls-Warriors game next. But... Man, it was pretty quiet. It was pretty quiet yesterday. Except when they were booing him off at halftime. Right. Yeah, that's you're right. I was sitting courtside there, press row, not not the $1,000 courtside. I was press row, and there were some boos. I was next to Polo G, who I didn't know who that was until well, you, have to edu- you have to educate me because yeah, I'm exactly. over I guess he's a rapper because everybody was screaming, Polo G, Polo G. And I don't even know if I'm getting that name right. So anyway. You and I are uh, aging ourselves with that conversation. Uh, well, let, yeah, let me ask you, you this: You were rubbing elbows with Polo G last night. I was night. right next to Polo G, right next to him, and you didn't know who he was. Didn't know who he was. He doesn't have security. You don't have security. Uh, you were re- elbow to elbow. Yeah, he had security, but I didn't know it was his security. I thought it was just UC security. And then I saw kids coming up to take pictures with him, and they they didn't wave him off. They just said, "Go around this way." They were they were nice, and he was nice. He just moved they, you out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly. Anyway, we digress. They booed well, him let, off well, the let court. Me, okay, so let me ask you. So you have the back-to-back blowout losses at home. 27 and 13 record, still on top of the the uh, conference, and and Billy Donovan's being asked about the February 10th trade deadline yesterday, and you know what's the front office, you know, any plans? Can you share any? You know, what, how active are you going to be? And you look at the record, and you look where they're at, and you're thinking before this week. I mean, is is this a, a come to Jesus moment, a reality check uh, that you know? DeMar DeRozan said, well, I don't really want to believe that the schedule catches up to you, but everyone has dog days of a season. I mean, how legitimate are they and how active should they be? As you, you know, we're inside a month to the trade deadline. I went to 538.com today, right? You'll be very surprised to see where they project this Bulls team ending up and the company they're keeping in terms of Playoff success. They haven't been in the playoffs is a 90% certainty, but to actually make any noise or, or vie for a title, uh, not even close. Well, let's, let's break this down. I think before this week, they showed problems defensively. They were really exposed this week um, in that, in, on that end of the court. Now, let's give a, a couple caveats, Brian. The only guy that could possibly cover Kevin Durant went down in the first minute of the game the other night. Right. Uh, the only guy that can score along with DeMar Rosen in that, on, a, on a, a high pace went down in the first couple minutes last night. So they got hurt defensively in the first minute of the game on Wednesday, and they got hurt offensively in the first couple minutes of the game last night. And we should know more about Zach Levine's knee later today. We'll talk to Paul Selvin, who's been covering the Bulls for the Tribune at noon. But that was worrisome to see both those guys go down for different reasons, defensively and offensively. They were pretty much screwed on defense anyway. Now they're going to be screwed on offense if, if Levine's out for a while. So let's throw those out there. It's not easy to adjust mid-game when you lose one of your best defenders and one of your best offensive players. Having said that, they're just simply not good enough defensively. And these couple games showed that. These couple games showed that. And they weren't really that great defensively against some of the mediocre teams, but they were outscoring all of them. So, yes, the trade deadline is going to be huge if they plan on making any noise um, in the playoffs, and they're going to have to get a big man, someone that can guard the fours or fives um, that they're going to have to face in the playoffs. I'm not sure they can do that. Well, and uh, you know, Bulls fans, like I said, Sylvie's unhappy, uh, you know, <laughs> expected so much more. But I'd love to hear from Bulls fans because, you know, I've been saying for the last couple of weeks what a terrific story like everybody else. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not alone on that island. It's, it's within a year's time to take a ragtag group with no, no star power to get in DeRozan and Vucevic, and it didn't work out necessarily last year, but all of a sudden see him back and, and doing what he's doing. And, you know, we have to – Zach Levine gets the MRI today on the knee, which is the same knee that he had the injury before the ACL. So uh, Billy Donovan wasn't speculating until he gets uh, some something to work with today in terms of the results from the MRI. But um, – it's a terrific story. They're a fun team for the most part, last two nights, uh, last two games notwithstanding. Um, they're a close team. The chemistry they talk about and celebrate is unlike the, the Bears collaboration and chemistry. It's actually got talent to go along with it. But, I mean, is, is it, 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 538 has them as a 21 and 21 team for the balance of the season, um, ending with 48 and 34 with a 7% 
or with a um, rather a two percent chance of making the finals and a zero point six percent chance of winning the championship. Oh, I mean, think about that: ninety percent chance getting in the playoffs, and then I mean, they're they're down there with the Clippers and the Raptors and the Atlanta Hawks, and the Clippers and Hawks are actually rated above the Bulls right now. Bulls are fourteenth in the in the five thirty eight uh, algorithm projections. So even though they have the gaudy record, they're middle of the pack in the league according to you know their their statistical analysis. I don't know what to believe. I wanted to believe that they're way ahead of schedule and that you know if they made a big move at the trade deadline, and I, you know a lot of people don't even want to see them do that because they don't want to see even like AO go. Um, I don't know what to believe right now because against the the best teams, there there are no shows. Not that we all buy into the percentages and all that stuff that the computer spits out, but that's quite amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Top, to be the top team in the conference and be given such a little chance to, to go very far. Simple as that. that. That's pretty amazing to be record-wise the top team. But we know they're not really the top team. I think we, we can all agree. But they're certainly among the top teams. I mean, Well, and, and I, think we, I think we also thought, I certainly thought the Eastern Conference was much better than I anticipated this season. Maybe as the season plays out, that's not going to be the case. Maybe so. 312-332-3776 is the number. I kind of want to ask the question, how, what side of the court are you more worried about, defensively? or offensively, if Zach Levine is out. We're going to assume he's out for some period of time. He's not going to play tonight, probably won't play Monday, although we don't know for sure. Maybe it's, maybe it's nothing, uh, taking an MRI today. Um, maybe what, what's, I, I, I just don't like what they're doing defensively, and I like what Billy Donovan said the other night. We can lament losing Derek Jones. We can lament losing Caruso. Sure. But, but there's effort when it comes to defense. There's loose balls to be gotten. There's rebounds, and... Uh, 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 two days after he said that, they showed no fight last night on that on that end of the court. So that's what I'm most disappointed in and, and worried it, about. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, in the, the decisive second quarter, not that the first was anything to write home about, you're out-rebounded 14-6. And then when you do have the ball, you don't have it very long because they got 21 points off of turnovers. I mean, you couldn't hang on to the ball. And, uh, you know, it, it just – everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And I get that they're depleted by COVID and physical injury and everything else, but it has to look better than that. If you really want to believe you're a contending team. And remember Steph Curry really didn't do much last night. No. And he certainly didn't do much in that first half, uh, that, which they ended up with 78 points. I mean, if you can't, I, I, I was texting somebody last night, like Jordan Poole looks like Michael Jordan right now, you know, the way he's going to the hoop and stuff. Right. Like, they didn't. They didn't guard anybody, and and Steph didn't even have one of those Steph Curry type games. So really disappointing defensively these last couple nights. Granted, losing Jones hurts. It did hurt. Um, I'll give him more of an excuse on Wednesday because they lost him in game. Now you had a day to prepare, and Clay's out. Steph's not doing much. Maybe you, maybe you concentrated so much on Steph and watching him up close, like. It reminded me a little bit about uh, of Jordan. Jordan was became this great scorer as Steph did, then became this great facilitator. And I do feel like Steph has become that obviously as well. He draws all this attention and can facilitate. I don't have the box score in front of me, but how many assists he had, but just seemed like he does draw that attention. So yes, uh, even if he's not scoring, he's doing stuff. But this, this, these other guys should not have put up seventy eight points in the first half. I'm sorry, absolutely not. I mean that that's that that is. Uh... You know, I, I think Sully wrote that's a vintage Fred Hoiberg, Jim Boylan Bulls, right? Right. right. Yeah, someone tweeted out last night, you know, uh, 
um, what did the McCaskies buy the Bulls in the last three days? Oh, um, boy. But oh, think boy. about just four days ago. What, what's today? Saturday, Friday, th- Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday. Just a few days ago, they, they beat, granted, it was the Pistons, but they were flying high, right? And thinking, okay, at least you're going to split these couple games. They're going to give them great games even if they lose, and they just get blown out of the water after winning by 40-plus points. Just That's what's great about sports, though. It can be so unexpected. It just didn't. But at home and yeah. on national TV and a chance Twice. to – yeah, a chance to really, you know, legitimize or, or, or cement, you know, your your place in the league and get people who haven't been paying attention on board that you're for real. Now, it, maybe it's recency bias from watching those two, you know, atrocious results and, and games. Um, but, again, I'd, I'd love to hear from Bulls Nation, is this – is this a down to you know a crashing down to earth moment, or just you know they'll learn from this and come out and beat the Celtics tonight, or where's your concern? Where's your level of concern? Three one two three three two three seven seven six because everyone in the world was getting behind the Bulls and and Bulls games were becoming appointment television again. Yeah, here's the problem. Like even if you want to take the positive approach that oh yeah they're going to rebound, they'll beat the Celtics possibly or go on a little little run, you're still always, in my opinion, going to have it in your back of your head. We're not as good as these, uh, these elite teams. When they come to play, there's no way we can stay with New Jersey, Milwaukee, Golden State. And you know what, Brian? Like three months ago, we, we would never have thought the Bulls could stay with those teams. No. But when you're the top team in the conference record-wise, you start to have these dreams. And I, no matter what they do in the next few weeks, and granted, they have this big one on Monday against Memphis – I, I think you're going to wonder about that. Like, there's no way they're, they're, they're elite enough. I don't think they're elite enough defensively um, to, 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 go, to go that far either. No, and that's the thing. I mean, I'm with you. At the beginning of the season, I was hoping they'd just be a playoff team and, and yeah. give me a taste. And, but, I mean, when they spoil you and look like they've got, they're firing on all cylinders and all of a sudden they're sitting atop the conference and, and thinking, okay, you know, I was wondering, what do you do with the trade deadline a couple of weeks ago? I'm thinking, okay, you know, how big, how big a move you make if you continue to win between now and February 10th? But realistically, maybe there isn't a move to be made because uh, you know you 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 are look your power forward is is you know Death Valley days. You're trying to figure out who's playing there. Um, you have no size to speak of, right? So until Patrick gets back, and that doesn't seem like be anytime soon. I know he's taking some shots yesterday, but Billy, Billy Donovan just said, you know, he can do uh, conditioning work, but he's still got, you know, worry about the risk. So he's not coming back anytime soon. So again, uh, the the record's great. You hope they keep winning, but against the elite, they seem to be a pedestrian team. 312-332-3776 is the number. Jesse Rogers, Brian Hanley here till 1 o'clock. We'll hear from you next on ESPN 1000. It's a pretty stunned United Center last night. Jesse Rogers, Brian Hamley with you till one. We're talking about the Bulls. Brian, I got to talk to Steve Kerr before the game, former great Bull, right? And it was That's kind of always funny. enjoyable. Yeah. 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 Kind of funny thinking back on it. He was so genuinely, I think, uh, happy for the city of Chicago, the team, you know, sort of getting back to prominence, at least in the regular season here, right? For the first time in many years, 
He expressed happiness, and he really expressed happiness for Billy Donovan, who he knows very well. And then he went out and beat the hell out of them. You know, it's just kind of funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, God, I'm so excited for them, but we're going to beat the crap out of them. And that's exactly what they did. He didn't say that, but they, they went out and did that after getting beat up themselves the night before. And I think it, I know that from night to night, shots get made, shots don't get made. And the night before Milwaukee, Golden State didn't hit their shots. But it just is, is another exclamation mark about the – the Bulls' defense from one night to the next, you know, they, they didn't face a very uh, interested defensive team last night where they did against Milwaukee. I watched a lot of that, a lot of that game. But again, it, it is about shot making, and um, no one hit shots for Golden State two nights ago, but they certainly did last night. So uh, it was good to talk to Steve and Sam Smith and Sully and all these guys covering the team, and they were pretty stunned over the last two nights. So I think everybody that has watched this, at least put up a fight, right? I think that's the bottom line. Lose by five, lose by seven, you can live with that. But to be blown out like this in back-to-back games was really surprising. Yeah, and, and speaking of the Warriors, you know, a few years ago, everyone was ready to, to say their day is done, right? That their windows closed. And Steve Kerr and Steph Curry, and, and not so fast, uh, as Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. Um, they're playing just fine. Yep, they are. Let's go to the phone lines. Ed, on the south side, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening? Hey, what's happening, guys? Uh, listen, I was calling in because um, I listened to you guys talk about uh, recency bias, and I, I do think that uh, that's part of what we're dealing with here. I mean, two blowout losses the last two games. But remember, I mean, they lost to the Nets the other day, but you know they also beat the Nets twice this year. So they're 2-1 and one against the Nets. So, you know, um, I mean, if we're in the playoff series, two and one uh, losses, one loss is just one loss. Um, I think you do have to be concerned about the defense. Um, the other thing is last night, um, last night's game, you know, Zach goes out first quarter, first few minutes of the game. Man, I think that just took the win, the sale out of the building. I had a buddy who was at the game. He just said that everything just kind of felt deflated after that because everybody's wondering what's up with Zach, what's, what's going on with the injury. So, Let's see what happens there. Let's see if we get a good report back, if he's only going to be out for a few weeks or whatever. Um, and, and let's not so be so quick to discard this team or feel like they're not going to make any noise. The last thing is the stat graph piece. You know, I mean, I don't put a lot of stock in that because, I mean, at the beginning of the season, all those stat graph things were saying Bulls were going to be barely a play-in team. And look where they are now, number one in the East. So, Let's, so where do you, you know, where do you where do you, where do you believe they are? Are they closer to being an elite NBA team or just a very good team? Or you know the record says elite. Where when you watch and and you know what do they need to? Can they make it work within the next year or two? Or are they still ways away? Great question. I believe they're 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 closer to being elite. They're not elite yet. They've got they need to get a few more pieces. I heard you say get a big man. They definitely need that to shore up their interior defense. I think they need to maybe take a look at because honestly, we don't know what Patrick Williams is going to be. I mean, no, we, we, don't. we don't know, you know, and you know all this. You know, he's the Paul, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we don't know if he's going to be the Paul or if he's just going to be a, a, a little tomcat or something. So <laughs> we need to <laughs> we just slow up, slow down that. I, I'd be open to trading. Patrick Williams for a, a piece. I'm not open to trading Ayo yet. I, I see a lot of promise when um, when Colby uh, uh, was down. I mean, Ayo played some big minutes for the Bulls, and I think his defensive prowess is there. I think he's got to develop a little more, get his shot down. 
But I think they're closer to being elite than they are being, you know, and also ran in the in the East. They just need a few other pieces. The other, the last piece there is Vooch, a true number three within that big three. I mean, that that's kind of my only. He he's he's a great, you know, he's he's an all star. He's a good player. He gets you a lot of rebounds. I think his defense is suspect. You know, when, mm. when folks are just r- r- driving around him, laying the ball up in the basket. You know, he he's he's to me the defensive liability. Um, but but he's what we have now. I think we need a big man to shore things up. If we get a big man, we get maybe another uh, some more scoring play. And remember, we've got Caruso coming back. He was playing great defense for us, um, high energy kind of guy. So let's get some of these guys back, and then let's see where we are. Uh, let's say you know sixty games into the season, you know closer as we get closer to the playoffs. I think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate the phone call. Look, I can buy what Ed is selling about recency bias and some of the other things that he said. I can, but I just can't ignore the defensive issues this team has. Now, I know things change in the playoffs. Everybody tightens up, but so will the other teams. So will Milwaukee. So will Brooklyn, I think, defensively. So it's all relative. Um, but I can buy well, some, was, some of what he's selling there, Brian. It, it was interesting to hear Billy Donovan saying, maybe I'm asking him to do too many difficult things defensively, which, you know, he all of a sudden he's, he's thumb pointing instead of finger pointing is the defense isn't nearly good enough. But, you know, this reminds me of, of the Blackhawks of Jeremy Colleton. Uh, Billy Donovan's not going to be stubborn, apparently. He's going to be malleable and look at what his systems are and if they're not maybe tailoring to, to what he has talent-wise or roster-wise defensively because Colleton kept force-feeding a team. He, he was so confident in his defensive system, but for three or four years, it was always the, they were one of the, among the, the worst defensive teams in the league, and he still believed that the system was sound and, and they were going to get it one day. And, you know, at least Billy Donovan's saying we have to look at everything here. And, and look, Caruso is terrific, and maybe he is the heartbeat of that defensive team with his steals and everything else. But the effort last night, um, none, no effort. I mean, rebounding. You mentioned it, Jesse. It's uh, that's want to. That's not a system, yeah. right? That's uh, there's a loose ball. I can go get. It's a fifty-fifty ball. Well, I better go get it. And if you just you know go through the motions, you end up with that kind of schlacking. Let's go to Ryan on the south side. You're on ESPN One Thousand, Ryan. Hey boys, happy Saturday. You too. Yeah, the recency bias is too much for me. Last caller's losing it by talking about trying to move Patrick Williams. The dude's too young. And too um, hurt. You know, with a, with a ceiling much higher than Jeremy Grant. Um, and I just don't want to give up any draft capital for making moves or make, to make any moves right now for what might be, at best, our fourth best player on the team when we, we give up those young stars and that draft capital for somebody. Yeah, it makes sense. Look, how many teams, and I'm no NBA historian or expert, Brian, but how many teams – that are put together as recently as this team was win it in the first year without LeBron or Michael and, you know, all that. You know what I'm saying? I right. mean, they, they, they just put the – even Milwaukee didn't win it right away, right? They needed to – and Brooklyn didn't win it last year. It, well, it look, takes, it takes the, a little time. The days of the Detroit Pistons where the sum were greater than the parts, you know, where – it, it, that was – those were teams like Ben Wallace and, and that, the, that group – they weren't superstars among the league. They were they're stars, but that that team concept of winning uh, championships long gone. You do need legitimate all stars, elite players, at least three of them to to be in the conversation for a championship. 
Yeah, and I just don't think you can put it all together in one in one year. It'd be nice. They they gave us a little taste of it here, and maybe if they do make a big trade, but I'm kind of with that call. Don't don't sacrifice some sort of long term thing that you got going here for 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 what you well, might think is hey, some short term success. Because I don't know if you're beating Milwaukee or Brooklyn, no matter who you trade for. Well, that's it. And and I, from what I've seen of this new front office and and Bulls brass, they're very intelligent. And you know, a lot of people when they saw the Vucevic trade, we didn't see it coming. I remember I was filling in. Uh, for Jay Hood, I think, uh, that morning when the news broke right before we were handing off to Yurko and Carm, Carm and Yurko. No, uh, it was me. It was me and Yurko. Oh, yeah, that's Remember right. Remember that? Yeah, it was yeah, me and Yurko. Right. Yur- and, and at the time, there's no better two people to break down the NBA trade, line, the trade deadline than me and Yurko, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> but, but, so, I, yeah, so how aggressive really can you be? I'm with those with both callers. One, you don't know what you have here in Patrick because you know he, he hasn't been out there enough to, to evaluate. So, when you talk about trading someone like that, what are you going to get? Because the league doesn't know what to think of him, and he's not healthy. And then when you get to guys like you know uh, Ao, or uh, you know that, that a second round pick who's playing like a first round pick, and that contract is very valuable because it's a second round contract. Do you really want and and his passion and everything that, that adds to the chemistry of this team? You know how how could you? How could you give up a guy like that? So what are you willing to give up? And how? when this front office looks at this team, are they looking at the 538 team or are they looking at the team that's 27 and 13 as a chance? I think they're probably looking at the 538 team. I, I think. Um, by the way, when they traded for Vooch, I was all in. But if he never takes another three-point shot, I'll be happy. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be very happy if he just stays – down yeah. low, I'll be. He's yeah. great down low, great touch around there. But those you've three got pointers, a, you, you got other guys can shoot from beyond the arc. You don't need to be doing that. You know, what I love behind beyond the arc is is Lonzo Ball. Mm. I feel like he his decision making is really good, and he shoot, it, 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 he'll either shoot in rhythm or he won't take the shot. Like he doesn't force his three point shots. And so I'm, part of me wants him to shoot more from back there, but not if it's not the right kind. He's Hitting 42%, that's pretty good. You know who's not hitting 42%? Vooch. He's 10% <laughs> less. He's 10% less. All right, we have to break. 312-332-3776. Wait, I'm, telling, I'm being told to take Mel first. Mel and Beverly, you're on ESPN 1000. We may switch over to the Bears a little bit here, so we want to get you in, Mel. What's happening? Great show, guys. I uh, just want to make a couple of quick points. We had a lot of guys that are out. So I can take solace in the fact that we were doing good when we had Green starting, Caruso starting at power forward, these are the guys with defensive mentality. That's one of the things that's missing right now. So I can take solace in the fact that we've got so many injuries. So, yeah, we're struggling. I do believe we are a legitimate power forward away. Um, I am willing to give up a Patrick Williams. At first I was thinking maybe Kobe White, but with his strong play and emergence, I'd like to keep him. But I do believe we're a strong power forward away from uh, being an elite team. And if you want to stop Regency bias, win on the big stage. Amen. Stop that. You know what well, I, mean? I, so, I certainly agree we're, we're power forward away from something. Like, I don't know how, <laughs> what it mean, well, how far they'll go, but they certainly need one and, and one that can play defense. Yeah. I mean, our power forward, he was green. He's 6'3". <laughs> 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 we, we were winning with that. You know what I mean? So that's all I got on that. All right, thanks for the call. Thanks, we Mel. appreciate it. We'll get back to you all in a moment. Uh, Brian, it's been a heck of a week for the Bears. You and I need to sound off a little bit on that as well, so we'll mix in some Bears conversation as they continue the search for a GM.
a head coach, a linebacker, a left tackle. I mean, just they need a lot there at Hallisall. We're back in a moment on ESPN 1000. Hope you're having a good Saturday. Jesse Rogers and Brian Hanley are with you here on ESPN 1000 until 1 o'clock. Were you at that uh, debacle last night or two nights ago? Do you uh, long for the uh, <laughs> the more um, happy days of four days ago when they beat the Detroit Pistons by, but what was it, 43, 46? What was that final? Uh, 46. They won by 46 on Tuesday. They lost by 26 on Wednesday. And then lost by 42 last night without Clay, without Draymond. Of course, the Bulls did lose Zach Levine. That, that could be huge. I mean, that could be huge. If it's for a period of time, that that top seed is in jeopardy, Brian. That's all I can tell you right now. Well, look, I mean, you know, the good news is he walked off the floor under his own volition. But the bad news is it's the same knee that he's had the ACL. And you would, you know, obviously he's not on the trip. He's getting MRI today, and hopefully we'll have some information by tonight as to the extent of the injury. But he's going to miss some time. It's just a matter of how much. And um, this team can't afford to lose any of its top three. And uh, he's certainly... I, you know, the question is, is De- DeMar DeRozan number one on this team or Zach Levine? And does it matter, really? No, probably not. But then the question becomes, do they have – until last night, I never would have thought, hey, they don't have enough offense. They have plenty of offense. But now you have to wonder, do they have enough offense? Because we're already wondering, do they have enough defense, which they don't. Let's go to Steve in Elgin. You're on ESPN 1000. Steve, what's happening? Hey, guys. I'm uh, curious if you guys have heard anything about Christian Wood and his issues out in Houston, if we possibly going after him. Or you got Marvin Bagley out in Sacramento. Uh, I just don't want to be mediocre in another replay of the uh, – where we didn't want to give up Dane for Kobe back in the day. So I'd love to hear you guys talk. <laughs> <if you're interested. laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't think you'll see this front office do that. Um, and, and Kobe, remember telling some fans who ran into him on the street, you know, go get your Bulls jerseys because I'm heading to Chicago. Um, Oops. I, I, yeah, I, I just I don't I just don't think there's a monster move to be made here if you're realistically looking at the the needs for this team and and maybe and the timeline. Yeah, and what you can give up, what you have to give up. I. I agree with you. I'm not sure about, you know, the status of those players in terms of would they be the right guys. Everyone's talking about Grant from Detroit, um, of course, Grant's nephew. Uh, But, um, yeah, they just don't have a lot to maneuver with right now or this season. And maybe maybe that's okay. You know, maybe there's just a taste of things to come and you're a year ahead and um, you do what you go as far as you can. And and you don't lament what, 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 you know, when you do lose, you don't lament it too much. You just build off of it. Because that's what most teams end up doing anyway. Hey, the first year they're put the, together, you got you the, build off of something. The good news is, barring a complete collapse here, they're going to be a playoff team, and that experience is going to be invaluable, even for guys like Zach Levine, you know, to get that back that postseason taste and, and figure out things. But certainly for the young players on this team, let's go to Mo in Tinley Park here on ESPN One Thousand. Mo, go ahead. Hey, how are you? Good. We're missing. We're missing a big guy in the center. No doubt. That's what the are missing, like uh, like a Blake Griffin. We could pick him up, you know, trade for him. Dwight Howard. Someone that's a big guy in the center. You know what I mean? Center or power forward that can, that can play defense. I mean, think of it this way. 
someone that could somehow help stop Kevin Durant a little bit. I mean, yeah, I don't know who that is, that is, but they don't have anybody. Even with Jones, they don't they they didn't they don't really have anybody. Stop. We can't any team that has a big man. Right, we can this season like uh, like Miami. Uh, you know, any anyone that has a big man, we cannot. Any team that has a big man, we cannot beat this year. We're too small. With Patrick yeah. Williams, we were like almost there, but yeah. you know. What I mean? And then the Bears, what they need to do is, they need to trade uh, Cleo Mack for uh, for uh, first round for draft picks if we could get something out of him. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the wide receiver. That we got from uh, Jackson, uh, from uh, I think Jacksonville. What's his name? He's gone. We need to clean up house, basically, and then rebuild what? our. We need two office office alignments, and we need to build our defense around Rockwise Smith. Well, you need a yeah. GM to, before you do anything, <laughs> and then a coach, and then we'll yeah. get to it. <laughs> but, we'll and, get to and, it. but okay, but that begs the question, right? If Brian Flores is your guy, and he was at House Hall yesterday, and you're not waiting on guys who are still involved in the playoffs and you know, they'll start today, obviously. Um, if he, here's a winning coach who was launched from Miami. Apparently um, you don't even have to read between the lines. Uh, the owner said uh, different people rub people different ways. And he went through what four offensive coordinators, two defensive coordinators in three seasons. He fired his offensive line coach in, in one week into training camp. Um, he had a blow up with Tua at halftime of the last game of the season. I like he's this a, guy. So far, the I know. resume sounds good to me. Right, right. <laughs> and he's he's a Bill Belichick guy. So I mean, obviously, he's a no nonsense guy. If you, but he had a winning record in a dysfunctional Dolphins team. And his uh, Jason Laser wrote, uh, you know, compared to Matt Nagy's Friday Night Lights style of coaching, you know, uh, you know, pure heart, clear, clear eyes, pure heart. You know, <laughs> what well, can't Whatever lose. That is. Yeah, yeah. Great show. Um, I mean, do, do you go – how many times have you seen it in any sport, Jess, where you go from if – if you have the player's coach that everyone likes to right. the hard ass that, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, which you know has a shelf life of a couple, three seasons, but you get success out of it. Um, do you jump on that and then worry about the GM? Or, good Lord, if, if he had issues with the GM down in Miami – can you can you hire him first and then tell the GM, hey, can you work with Brian Flores because he's already here? Does that limit your GM pool? Well, let me. Let, here's my thought on that. Um, if you just take X person, don't even put a name to it, and you tell me he's a no nonsense type of coach, and we in the vein of a Bill Belichick or taking another lever, Mike Ditka or something. I don't think this family would hire him. I think that's part of their sort of flaw, if that's the right word. Um, I, I texted, texted this to, to Sylvie earlier this week. There's an irony about this, this, the, the McCaskey family. The one coach that brought them a Super Bowl, whether you love him or not, because I know today Ditka would get canceled, the one coach that brought them a Super Bowl would never have been hired by the McCaskies without Hallis being around. If Hallis passes away before he hires him, there's no way the McCaskies hire Ditka, and there's no way they're going to hire anything close to a Mike Ditka or Belichick type, in my opinion. Might be well, proven wrong. I think this is part of sort of the, 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 the family attitude. They're, they're not, they're not going to go in that direction, a no-nonsense, I'm going to tell ownership what to do, and eventually they well, fired see, Mike Ditka because of that. Right. They're intimidated by that kind of larger-than-life so. personality. Do you, do you and, agree with me? Do you agree with well, me? Well, you know, George was asked directly about, 
you know, likability, collaboration, and 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 he's quote during that Zoom press conference, which was one for the ages. And every time I think I've seen, you know, nothing like it, he has another one. Um, you know, this right. top last year's dysfunctional thing. Quote: They don't have to like him, they don't have to love him, but they have to respect him. Um, and so the primary quality we'll be looking for in a general manager and the head coach is leadership. All right. Um, well, that's part of it. Uh, but I'm also looking for a guy who knows what he's looking at when he tries to draw up an offensive game plan or a defensive scheme. Right. And it's, uh, I will say this for all the hand wringing about Bill Polian and how old he is and he hasn't been around the league in a decade, the lists that I've seen and so far the interviews that they've uh, conducted, uh, you know, th- th- there's no one that looks out of place there. Right. I mean, I'm, I don't want, I'm not tripping over myself to get Doug Peterson, but they they seem to have a, a kind of a broad, the, you know, a long reach and, and casting a big net here. And so far they have some very impressive names. I don't know how that plays out. And the other good thing, Jesse, is that you hear people around the league say, you know what, it might be a dysfunctional team and the, the ownership might not have a clue because they don't, but it's still very, uh, you know, people are looking to, to be part of the Bears organization, whether it's a GM or coach. Let's dive into this a little bit more over the next uh, quarter hour here before we talk to Paul Sullivan from the Tribune about the Bulls and maybe a little bit about John Lester as well. Bears conversation next on ESPN 1000. Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune will join us after 12. He covered the Bulls game last night. Maybe we'll get an update on Zach Levine. And uh, we want to talk to him about uh, John Lester, too. Paul covers baseball as well. And Lester retiring this week. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about his Hall of Fame candidacy. But we're on the Bears right now, Brian. And uh, you brought up some good points. Um, Obviously, a lot of conversation about the bizarre, let's call it, press conference at the beginning of this week. I was on that that Zoom call. And, you know, from the very first moments, it was pretty strange. Um, I I don't even want to bring this up because it's just – no, it yeah. bums me out. But yeah, that transition he made from our from our good buddy that's passed away um, to to Matt Nagy's kids getting getting chanted at the football game was just insane. And uh, yeah, I'm the meatball anyway because I don't even think it's a big deal that they got booed, but the or not booed, but chanted at it. I guess you'd say. But the fact that he brought it up weeks later and uh, using JD and his kid it was just insane. So I mean, uh, but, but, yeah, it's yeah. Just... I mean, it's not even worth right, uh, but. But let me say this, Brian, I think it's our job and and you and I grew up in this business as reporters to take some emotion out of it. Right. In in assessing like, yes, I think the McCaskey family should sell the bears. That's obvious. Right. I think there's a lot. But it's also never going to happen. Right. We know that. So. Right. But I don't think every single thing he said was insane. Right. Most of it probably was, but not everything. I think you have to take some emotion out of it. For example, I know there's a lot of consternation about them not having a football czar. And I agree there should be a president of football operations. But I but I think George even referenced this. We can't forget that no matter what they call it, at some point the McCaskey family has to make a baseball de- or, excuse me, a football decision. And I have baseball in my mind because just like Tom Ricketts at some point has to make baseball decisions. When Theo Epstein left, he made a baseball decision to promote Jed Hoyer. And when Jed Hoyer 
doesn't do the job, he's going to have to make that decision to, to move on from Jed Hoyer potentially. Same thing with the McCaskies. You can hire a football czar. That's a football decision. When you fire that football czar, it's a football decision. Now, having said that, Brian, I think the more people you put in between uh, maybe the GM and ownership, the less football decisions ownership will have to make, if you know what I'm saying. Like if you hire a president of football operations and then a vice president and then a GM, well, there's some layers there that each one of those people would get some hires and firings before it gets back to ownership. Does that make sense? Um, well, it makes, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. But here's the thing. Yeah. When he's asked directly about and Mark Potash from the Sun-Times asked this question, tried it a couple different ways. He's talking about a bottom line business as to why, thankfully, he came to the conclusion that Ryan Pace or Bill Bull, Bill Pullian came to the conclusion that Ryan Pace it was no longer you know worthy of getting a promotion. I mean, that was even the talk that he was going to be president of football operations and then go out and get a GM to work report to Ryan Pace it was just complete lunacy. But Mark Potash said, "Bottom line business. Since you've been the chairman, George." You know, here, here are the facts. All the losing seasons, you know, 0 for 2 in the playoffs. It's a bottom line business for the GM and the coach, but not for the chairman who's been terrible. And he said, well, the board of directors has d- decided I should continue on in this capacity. George said to himself, I'm a football fan. I basically said, I don't know football, so I can't make these decisions. That's why Bill Polian's here. Okay, it's nice to admit that, but Bears Nation should just be shuddering because he admitted after all these years and growing up in a football family and being at the top of the organizational chart, he still really doesn't have a clue. I mean, he admitted last time he had to call the Roonies and Maras to start, right. you know, the search for, you know, it's like if you were working at Jewel and you called Mariano's and said, Hey, what are you guys doing better than we are? You know, <laughs> well, and expecting an, uh, them to say, Oh, here, here, you know, we'll help you be a better grocery store. I mean, come but, on. It, but, but I agree with that, but I, this is where I'll defend it a little bit now, but let me go back and say, I agree with it because you, you've been in this football family long enough. You maybe should have a little bit more knowledge, but having said that every owner that wasn't a former player or coach, which is all of them basically, except for, I guess, Jerry Jones. Every owner is in that situation where they end up having to make a baseball, football, hockey decision, and they're not experts at it. What does is, what is the Wirtz family know about power plays and, and coaching hockey players and all that? No, nothing. They don't know anything. All they know, but is- they apparently know. They apparently know talent because they 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 inherited businesses. But those businesses are still going strong after Arthur Wirtz and Bill Wirtz are no longer atop their corporations. the The liquor business is doing just fine. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks need some help now, but for a stretch, they're the, the best team in hockey. They Rocky Wirtz knows enough to to know what he's looking at when he. You know, at the time, pulled John McDonough into a champions and wasn't taking no for an answer when John McDonough thought he was just going to give him some pointers on what to look for in a president. Right. Right. So right. George McCaskey and Ted Phillips. I mean, the, the fact that Ted is still part of this interview process is laughable. Well, um, let me say this. I don't I don't think he's part of much. Maybe he'll negotiate the contract because it's money, whatever, you know, the money. Uh, I don't think he's really has a say. This is Bill Polian's show. This is Bill Polian's show. I don't think. They've, that press conference told me Ted Phillips is being pushed aside. I know they said he'll be in the room, but I don't believe he's going to have much say. Where does this, where's this trust that, I mean, that this belief that George, I mean, it's like a cult that they believe the McCaskey family, you know, bows at the Ted Phillips altar. 
because he got Soldier Field renovated. I mean, it just he, there's another guy who's been around it forever and still doesn't know football. And well, yet I, he, he yeah. said how much you know they fully they still trust him and to like they basically run every decision by him. Right. I agree with everything you, you're saying. I just wanted to point out that every ownership family ends up making a football, baseball, hockey, basketball decision uh, at the end of the day, even if they're not experts in it. Somehow, at some point, they have to make a decision. But you Tom know, Ricketts identified Theo Epstein, not that it took a lot. I mean, if you have a brain cell working, right. he's in the team picture of a guy you want to go talk to, right? Right, right. But, I mean, he didn't need to pick up the phone and call Cincinnati Reds and say, hey, if you were in my position, who would you be hiring? Not but the, I think, the Reds, well, but, I mean. But I'm not sure that he didn't do that a little bit. But that one was obvious. The next one, and, and the next one was obvious, too, because Jed was already there. But what about the next one? But let me go back to my, my, my one point, because I do think they should have a football czar, fo- president of football operations, because, like I said, the more football people you have in there, the less football decisions ownership has to make. But there's another reason. There's another reason. If you have a football czar or president of football operations, he's not necessarily doing the day-to-day work of the GM, right? He's kind of overseeing everything. Right. Right. And what, but, but when it comes time to replace the GM, which inevitably it does with every organization, there's going to be a time, there, there might be some continuity where maybe that football czar identifies an assistant GM or a scout that, that should be retained and should be in consideration. What happens now in the, under this regime, under this structure, is it's cleaning house, as, as I think John's and, uh, and uh, Fishbane wrote in The Athletic. It's kind of like, they just clean house every four years. Phil Emery was a scout, left and came back. But, but my point is there's no real grooming that goes on. Like a football czar would identify somebody that stands out in the organization. Let's retain him, give him a promotion, and we keep this continuity. Instead of every three or four years, it's always a cleaning well, of the outs- house. And outside of John Fox, every GM and coach who's come into that building had never been a GM or head coach, Right. Right. So, there's no there's no grooming that goes on in that no, Bears organization, no. Con- conceivably from the outside. I'm no expert on this, but it just doesn't feel like it, it, there's any continuity at all. Even through through some failures, you might identify a couple people that are really good. How would George McCaskey identify the assistant GM or a, a scout that that deserves a promotion and should stick around? No, he's just going to clean house. He's going to fire the GM, clean house, let the new GM hire new people. And that that is a problem. That is well, a problem. and and then you know, I tweeted out when I saw Brad Biggs' list before they had any interviews, and before you know, we really know uh, what you know who was even going to be on the committee to interview and all that. And and I remember Bruce Arians was sitting in a hotel after interviewing with Scott Hagel and some of these other people in the building, and he had to be thinking, "Who am I talking to here?" To, you know, expressing yeah. fit football philosophy to, and I like Scott; he's a great guy. But he's also the communications director, okay? And and the coach has to have some of that skill, or, or you you know you would hope he could communicate things. But the fact of the matter is, a grizzled guy like Bruce Arians thinks he's talking to football people, making your football decision, as you said, right? And he's got to be thinking. And they passed him to go get Mark Tressman or whatever. I mean, it's it's just a joke. Yeah, and it's very strange to entrust Bill Polian with the duties of a football czar. He's, he, he basically helped fire the guys that are there. He's helping hire the guy. Why not just hire Bill Polian then? You know, right. why not just hire Bill Polian? Well, and, I, and I, I think Dan, Dan Weederer said it so right to Waddle and Sylvie. He took the words out of my mouth this week when he was on. Dan, for, there's no skin in the game for Bill Polian. Yeah, maybe yeah. it affects his, 
his reputation a little if they hire the wrong guy. But there's no real. It's not going to impact his legacy by any no. stretch of the imagination, right? But no, I mean, I tweeted out Jeff Ireland when I saw that list. I'm like a former ball boy whose grandfather was a, a scouting legend for the Bears. And I, I just pictured Phil giving him the black and white photo tour in Hallis Hall and, you know, loving the old Bear connections. And I said, well, that'd be, that'd be great. You know, go ahead and hire him if he brings Sean Payton along with him. Exactly right. He's Brian Hanley. I'm Jesse Rogers. We've got another hour here before we, we say goodbye for the day. Paul Sullivan from the Tribune. As we get back to the Bulls, a little bit of baseball as well. That's next on ESPN 1000.